In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, your gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England Zone, Van Helsink. And with me, my compadre, all the way across the pond, the ghost finder general himself, the most haunted, Richard Felix. How you doing, my friend? All right, was that a better introduction or what? Very well, very well. But I do sound, you do sound rather far away. I know i know you are in America, but um, you're breaking up. Do I sound okay? Uh, pretty much, you know. Oh, I'm pleased. As, as I'm good as you can for that. someone your age, you know what I mean? Oh, I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. Have you reached my age yet? When's your birthday? Saturday. Saturday, my friend. Oh, many happy returns of Saturday. Join the 62 Club. You Sorry, got that's it. not true. No, no, it's not. It's the it's the third anniversary of our 59th birthday. Uh, I could do that, yeah. yeah Whatever. Can, it, it, it's, it's only age. Hey, Richard, it's only it, age, and you're only as young as the woman you feel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's really interesting is we received a, a, a Facebook um, message from Kyle Loder. She always listens to the show. And she wanted to remind us that the, the U.S. goes on daylight savings time uh, this Sunday. Ooh. So, so that means the clocks go forward so or back. You've got an hour difference. I don't know whether it's plus or minus. Well, at least I have... we know about it this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we... listen, I... I can't remember whether we go. Whether you... Do you put your clocks forward or backwards? Spring ahead. Spring ahead. Yes, yep, of course. Back. So that means that, oh, I don't know. I'll work it out. Spring ahead. I'll sort <laughs> okay. it out somehow. Anyway. Listen, what? I'm in, I'm, I'm in a haunted hotel. Get out. Yeah, I am. I'm I'm in a very haunted hotel in uh, in Staffordshire in in, in England. I've, I've come away for a break. I'm on my holidays. <laughs> Where the heck is Staffordshire? Is that is that like Staffordshire? It, it's very close to Derbyshire. It's only uh, I think it's only about forty miles away from where I live. But this is very nice hotel called Witchnor Park. Oh, I like that. I C H N O R Witchnor Park, and it goes right back to the 1500s. So what what you should do is put your uh, camcorder on and let it run all night as you sleep, and there you go. I, I, I am going to do just that. 
just in case. Uh, but I'm here for a next, week. EMF meter next to the bed, you know. I've Get got it. All ready. It's all, all ready. here. The <laughs> K2. There you go. Anyway, we, we, we've got a, like a, a gaggle of people on the show today. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, we have uh, we, we have a, a couple of charming ladies, Amanda, and I don't know her daughter's name, but she's also with us, and they run a, a cool thing in the city of York, which I believe is in your neck of the woods, uh, and a thing called Spook Fest. So, Amanda, are you there? I am, certainly am. Hello, Richard. How are you? How are you doing? I'm fine. Yourself? Yes, thank you. Very well. Extremely well. So it, it, you're getting close. It, when is it? When is Spookfest? It's this weekend, the 11th, 12th and 13th of March. It's caught up with us fast. My goodness, because you told me about it and, and I was trying to get up there, but I'm on holiday. You're on holiday. <laughs> it's all right for some, I tell you. <laughs> my life. My life's one big holiday, my love. I don't really need one. But. <laughs> that, that's, for, that's for bloody sure. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Um, my, Listen, daughter's, guys, my daughter's you... called Rachel, by the way. Oh, Rachel, Hi, thank you very Hi. much, Amanda. Hello. Hi, guys. <laughs> so uh, so let, me ask, let me ask you this, Amanda. You are running uh, Spooks Fest in honor of my birthday on Saturday. Is, is that what I take? Oh, of course, <laughs> yes. We knew all along. It's especially yes, for yes, you. That's, that's what I figured. <laughs> so um, I think we also have somebody else here as well. Uh, he is a parapsychologist. That is one of those poo, Dr. Poos, you know, that poo-poo everything. <laughs> he is I none hate other. You, Ron. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> he is none other than Cal Cooper. Hello. How's it going? Hi, wow. Cal. How are you doing? Hello. I'm good, thank you. How's everyone else? I'm we're, all, we're all fine, Cal. Thank you very much. Brilliant stuff. Okay, so why do we have this whole gaggle of people on the line? So, does somebody want to tell me that? Uh, wow, <laughs> dead silence. Woohoo! <laughs> you notice I said dead silence? Amanda, that's your cue. Amanda, that's your cue. Spooks Fest. You're the organizer, that's your cue, dear. Tell us all about it, kiddo. What, the Spookfest? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Spookfest is going to be great. We've got all sorts of people. Of course, we have Cal coming up to speak for us in our talks on the Saturday. And he's talking about phone calls from the dead, which is very exciting. We oh, have excellent. got... Um, have, aren't you, Cal? Yes, I will be. I will. <laughs> we have got other people. We've got Kieran O'Keefe coming up. He's talking about vampires and demonology. Wait, wait, uh, have... wait, a minute, wait, wait a minute. Hold everything right there. Wait a minute. No such thing. We've got two two parapsychologists, two of the level ones, two of the skeptics that are actually talking about strange stuff. Of course, that's what Spooks Fest is all about. It's about the strange, weird, and the supernatural. Carl's coming up. It's got to be. There'll be three parapsychologists there in total and a paraanthropologist as well. So you've got a whole load of skeptics going on. <laughs> They've we all have. gone we, to the dark side. Is that what I take? We have. We've got all sorts of things. We've got vampires, demons, angels. Well, not not actually coming to it. Well, it would be great yeah. if we did. Well, you may. Talks on them. <laughs> psychedelics. Psychedelics, yes. Don't forget the psychedelics. Yeah, we've got uh, Dr. David Luke coming up to talk about psychedelic plants and psychic people. Really? 
Yeah, really. Well. It's a very interesting, very interesting talk. We got a talk by um, Torchlight Paranormal on the EVPs, and another one of about investigators of the paranormal phenomena. They're talking about orbs. Um, we've got no a special evening on the Saturday night, which is uh, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe talking um, about all sorts of paranormal things, and that's going to be fantastic because that's with a meal in the haunted treasurer's house, which is an amazing historic building. Uh, Richard, you've actually been in the treasurer's house, haven't you, Richard? Yes. Yeah, I've done. I've done a, um, uh, an investigation in there, and I've also done a, uh, a recording, of course, with with um, the guy that saw the ghosts, uh, Harry Martindale. My mate Harry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did a we did a, a, a complete uh, recording of, of his 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 what's the word I'm looking for? His uh, come on, come on, help me. His um, his uh, his Roman legions. Whatever he saw, his Romans. His <laughs> Met me in the cellar, and we did, we did a DVD called Ghosts of York, and, and Harry did the most amazing interview for me. He, he's, he's a, a lovely man, man, isn't he? He's a very nice he man. He is wonderful. He really yeah. is, yeah. Are you uh, are you taking folks down there to the cellar on the night? No, not not this time round. I'm going to be doing it um, hopefully in the future, actually, because it was this sort of time of year, we decided it was actually a bit too cold and it's a bit too damp in the cellar at the moment. So we, we were originally, but we decided to pass on that one this time round and do it a bit later in the year when it's a bit, a bit warmer and a bit drier. <laughs> this one is particularly bad at the moment. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah, no, we're going we're to leave it till it's a little bit drier and a little bit warmer, I think. <laughs> but we will be. We will be later this year, hopefully. We're going to sort that out. Um, but uh, Kieran's going to be talking, sitting down and having a meal and doing a very civilised talk for an hour, which would be great. Um, but we've That's got great. all sorts of... We've got haunted pub walks going on. We've got a city screener doing a, a cinema, doing Hell's Ground, which is a, a cross between... Um, what's it a cross between? It's a cross between the living dead zombies and, and zombies yeah. and horrible <laughs> things. Cannibals, I think, which is quite good. Um, we've got... Um, uh, We've got the psychic medium trail. Yes, we've got four mediums. And instead of doing a psychic fair, I decided to stick them in haunted pubs, which is quite nice. So people can go around to the pubs and go and see a medium. Definitely have spirits. Definitely have spirits. Sorry? I'll speak first, Tom. I (laughs) think behind the bar at the same time this is it yeah spirits behind the bar and spirits at the front with a bit of luck um which pubs are you doing um guy fawkes yep uh lamb and lion yep and uh the old star inn and the white swan fantastic because i'm very lucky i actually work in the guy fawkes so um, i know them very well oh fantastic that is yeah yeah i'm glad to come see you then when i come and do a ghost walk Absolutely. No, you must do, Richard. Are you, you're up on the, is it the 19th you're up? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. In fact, we talked about it. Yeah, it's, I'll, yeah. Um, I will I will get in touch with you beforehand because it's the first time I'll have been this year. Oh, right. Um, I couldn't make the others, so, but I am up on the 19th. Oh, that'd I'd be great. i talk some more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've got, it's very interesting because I had a long chat to the night porter the other night and um, he experiences the ghosts in there all the time. And he's given me a long, long, long list, three, three sides of A4 on the ghosts that he's seen in the, um, in the pub, which is really interesting. Oh, yeah. That sounds really, that sounds very me. That does. Yes. Yeah. We will meet on the night. In fact, why don't you come on the ghost walk? That would be, be fantastic. Guess. Yeah, that would be great. That would be lovely. We will do that, and then we can go to the pub afterwards and uh, have a chat. <laughs> that sounds really good. And then you can tell me all about what happened in, on Spookfest. Yeah, that would be great. Yes, hopefully we say we've got loads of things. We've got a ghost hunting workshop. We've got um, uh, a, can- a mansion. Do you, know, do you know the mansion house, Richard? Yes, I do. 
yeah, they're doing candlelit spooky stories there, uh, which would be brilliant. Um, and Fairfax House, which is the best example of Georgian architecture apparently in the country, are doing M.R. James's uh, ghost stories, uh, but sort of dressing up and do a dramatic version of it, which would be fantastic. Oh, boy. I know. Sounds it's going to be really good. good. You should have been coming up, you see, Richard. I know. Yeah, but of course, you're on holiday, so... Yes, I am. It's a shame, but never mind, never mind. There's always next year, because I'm sure it will... Is this the first one that you've done? This is the first one. It was supposed to be just a sort of little quiet weekend, and it sort of escalated into a very busy weekend, and next year we're going to hit a week, I think. It'll be easy to fill a week, so... um, You know, all the local businesses have been absolutely superb. Um, They're doing um, window displays. We've got special food going on, the ice cream shop in York is doing ice cream, ice cream. I think the milkshake shop's doing psychedelic rats, milkshakes. Not psychedelic, psycho. 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 Psychedelic people on the brain still. No, it's going to be great. No, it sounds like it's going to be a really good, um, I presume you, uh, well, anything else? What else? So so obviously you've got um, psychic workshops, you've got Kieran, um, you've got Cal coming up doing uh, are, are these all in different places over just, what, Saturday and Sunday? Oh, a Friday night, Saturday, all day Saturday, um, and Sunday as well. And obviously we've got some ghost walks going on too. We've got four recommended ghost walks that we use. Um, and a horrible history walks for the family. And, the, and a treasure hunt, which is free. People can pick that up from Visit York and just go around and do their own spooky treasure hunt looking for ghosts throughout York, which is good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's all over York. Um, people can go onto the website, um, www.spooksfest.co.uk, for further information um, and pick up brochures throughout York, which have got maps and them telling where everything is. So it should be a great weekend. Sounds fantastic. It really does. What do you think, Ron? I wish I was there. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, just jump on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you, well, I, I could probably astral project. I'm thinking. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, great idea. But last last time I did that, I got in trouble. So uh, I went to the Playboy Mansion, and that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> but I could call Cal on one of those phone calls from the dead. Yeah. Yeah, I could do that. So, so Cal, let, let's talk a little bit about those phone calls from the dead. You're going to be doing what there with them? Um, I'll be giving a talk that's uh, reviewing all of my latest research because I started picking up phone calls from the dead in 2008. And uh, since then, I've just finished my fourth publication looking at the history of telephonic communication with the dead and where it came from. Because we all know when we talk about EVP, most people will think of Frederick Jurgensen being the first person to kind of highlight the matter of electronic voice phenomena. But uh, when you dig deeper into the record and the academic research, you can see that Raymond Bayliss discovered EVP just a few, about three years beforehand. And then if you dig even deeper and you look at telephonic communication, that is anyone that's claimed communication with the dead over the telephone or the wireless telegraph, it goes all the way back to 1913. So I've been digging through the University of Cambridge records and looking at where it's come from and uh, where we are now with people reporting cases of phone calls from the dead. And uh, Rogo and Bayliss, who wrote the original book, Phone Calls from the Dead, there was areas of the history that they couldn't touch on because they couldn't get access to the uh, documents and the research. And in recent times, I've been able to dig and get hold of what they couldn't. So I've been able to fill in the gaps of the history. So on the talk that I'll be doing at Spooksfest, I'll be covering the history, what research I've been looking at, new cases, what explanations we can actually apply to them, 
and cases where we can't apply any rational explanations and where I'm taking this research next as well. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Just a bit. Just as a matter of interest, <laughs> you know, the, the obviously phone calls from the dead. It sounds absolutely fascinating. Are, do you think, are, and are they, how can I put this, is it a spirit and soul of a dead person that is um, obviously not picking up the phone and dialing? I know that. Uh, you know, sort of breaking in, if you know what I mean, onto a... Um, a wavelength, for want of a better word, or a frequency, or yeah, is they, it they, some form of recording? Yeah, they, they certainly believe that somehow in the cases where it does seem that maybe, you know, once all the rational explanations were looked at, and maybe this is a case of a telephone call from the dead, they turn to a thing called paraphysical theory, where they thought that these voices were independent, and people weren't producing them via hallucination or via psychokinesis and somehow manipulating the electrons in the telephone. They thought maybe the dead or whatever's, whatever f essence is left after they've died is somehow manipulating the telephone, making it ring, manipulating the electrons inside the telephone and transferring them into an audible voice that the person who answers the call would recognize as that of the dead caller. You get different cases, though, when you look at the first analysis where you could have, say, someone's just lost a friend or relative the phone rings, they pick it up, they're like, oh my God, that's my dead friend or relative. They only hear a few words from that dead person and the line goes dead. Whereas in other cases, you could get the telephone ringing, you have a conversation with your good friend, it could go on for half an hour, you put the phone down, and then later you're speaking to another friend who tells you that your other friend has died, the one that you were just speaking to on the phone, and they died maybe a few hours before you actually took the phone call, but because you didn't know they were dead. The call seemed to last... Um, a lot longer than the type 1 cases because you didn't know they were dead and the conversation occurred as normal. Somehow knowing that someone is dead seems to limit the call conversation. Good so in some that's, cases, that's absolutely it, fascinating. Yeah, well, it does seem it, in some cases... It, it actually makes like, sense to me anyways. <laughs> I'm glad it does to you. <laughs> but I, I, I know a friend of mine who actually received one of those and he talked uh, I believe for about 15 minutes to the person who had died uh, months ago, and then his son talked to the same person on the same phone call, So, which was kind of interesting. Well, if, if you could get that person to actually email me that account, that'd be fascinating, because what I'm doing at the moment is a new collection of the cases, and I'm collecting as many as I can, hopefully getting up to a new collection of 50 cases, because Rogo and Baylor's collected 50, they performed a content analysis to see what all the core contents were to see if you could actually place them into categories. And now 30 years on with the introduction of mobile phones, text messages, email, and also um, voicemail, I'm trying to see if there's any differences in the call types with this new technology. And it has appeared that there have been text messages and emails from the dead. There have been voicemail messages. And... Uh, so I'd like to get as many cases as I can. So if anyone could visit my website at www.calcooper.com or just simply email me at contact at calcooper.com if you've had a phone call from the dead or an unusual experience with the telephone or these text messages, please email me the account because I'd really appreciate it and love to hear from you. Cal, are the text messages becoming more common than the phone calls since people tend to communicate more by text message these days? Um... I've only come across a few. The ones that seem to be quite common uh, intention calls, which don't involve um, the dead, 
when again if you go back to Rogo and Bayless type 5 calls were called intention calls and these were where you intended to call a friend or relative one morning but let's say that you decided not to actually make that call until later that day so for some reason you put it off and think oh I'll go and get some work done and I'll ring them this afternoon later that afternoon you receive a call from them and they say that you rang them that morning or you left a message but you never did somehow by making that decision and saying, oh, I might call them, but changing your mind creates two alternative paths of reality. The one where you go off and continue doing what you want to do and change your mind about calling them later. But at that point where you said, yes, I might call them, that call still takes place for them, which is really unusual. Even D. Scott Rogo, who wrote the book, had a few of those cases himself. And um, some of the cases that I've seen in present day kind of reflect on those, where people intend to call someone but don't, and yet that person they intended to call still gets a call from them. And they check 1471, it's definitely their number, but they never actually went to the phone and picked it up. That's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. That's almost like, uh, you know, I mean, if you look about it, it's it's almost like an alternative reality. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's perfectly like chaos theory, where every action creates an alternative chain of events, but this is where you're possibly seeing a brief glimpse of that alternative path of reality. It kind of ends after the phone call's finished or the phone rings. Um, it doesn't seem to last very long. It, it just fades out or fizzles out because you've chosen a different path of reality. You had that decision point and you chose and it still created the alternative path just very briefly for someone else to see or experience. Fascinating stuff, Cal. Look forward to your talk. Yeah. Yeah. So the the only thing, Cal, is I think you should set up a phone call for, from the dead. <laughs> I, should, I should set one up. Yeah, absolutely. You should. Um, no, I don't you, know you how to you... kill myself and call you. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can, you can do that later. That's fine. But, no, don't uh... wait till after the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not until after the talk, Cal. We need you. <laughs> Uh, what what you can do? Point. No, I mean, sorry, uh, I don't know how the British phone system works, but you could actually uh, set up a a line devoted just for phone calls to the dead, and uh, uh, hopefully, if you get the word out uh, through maybe mediums and through other things, then you, this may be a avenue where spirits may want to communicate. In other words, there's a theory that there are people on the other side, scientists and so forth, working to contact us just as we are working to contact them. So in reality, if you did give them the opportunity, uh, then they may take you up. Now, that sounds pretty weird, doesn't it? It's interesting you say that. I have thought along similar lines. I mean, some uh, there's not been a lot written on phone calls from the dead, but when you do go through certain academic books looking into EVP and instrumental transcommunication, ITC. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some people who have suggested when they're you know, only briefly mentioned in a couple of lines about phone calls from the dead, the only possible way you could research them practically if you want to experiment with them is by hooking your telephone up to a, a recording device that constantly records all the phone call conversations you have. So if you know, with a very far-fetched chance of maybe getting a phone call from the dead, you will be able to record it because most of these cases are just an account of what happened because the person had the phone call, realized what happened, and then they get to tell a parapsychologist or um, a psychical researcher about the event. It's gone. All you've got is possibly ringing the telephone company and asking, did someone actually call at that time? So you can get confirmation where the call came from and so on. 
But when you go back through the history, there were um, a few people. There was um, a researcher from my neck of the woods in Nottingham called F.R. Melton in the, 19, the early 1920s. In 1921, he wrote a book called A Psychic Telephone. And um, his son was an expert in radio communications and telephones in the army. He got wounded and then discharged, and his father um, gained quite a bit of interest in seances and communicating with the dead. And his eldest son just took it all as a joke, really. And um, his father, F.R. Melton, wanted to build a telephone that could contact the dead, so he made a very simple um, design and didn't really um, work that well. So after a seance where F.R. Melton supposedly got in contact with his eldest son's dead girlfriend and his eldest son was very convinced that, you know, some of the information that was coming through, you know, no one around the uh, seance table should have known that. He started to become interested in what his father was doing. So he helped his father build a new revised uh, telephone to the dead. And um, so they were getting these constant communications, supposedly, and they'd take it along to a spiritualist church for people to use it for themselves and see what they thought. They were able to go up to the stage, put on the headset, listen and get all these um, messages coming through. And a famous psychical researcher in the USA, Hugh Carrington, he built a replica of the device and um, altered it a little bit. Apparently he got some results, but not enough to convince him. And it was argued by D. Scott Ruggo that he didn't get results because it wasn't the same device. It was a replica. It wasn't the exact same device, and also he'd made alterations to it. There was also um, a USA liter uh, literary figure called Francis Grierson, um, who was also known throughout Europe as Jesse Shepherd and practiced as a medium throughout Europe. And one of the last books he ever published was called um, Psychophone Messages, in which he relays conversations and communication with famous people like Abraham Lincoln, General U.S. Grant, uh, Thomas Jefferson. And there are so many um, famous figures that are listed in this book as coming through with these messages from the other side. And what he supposedly did was create a telephone to contact the dead, which he called a psychophone. And he placed it in seance sittings with his researchers. And for the period of a year from uh, the September 1920 through May 1921, he started to record these messages and then write them up, which he published in the book. And he even said that in some sittings they didn't get any recordings whatsoever. But when you read this book, if you can get hold of it, some of the things that Abraham Lincoln and the other people are saying are incredible. It's, you know, at least three or four pages of dialogue that's supposedly being recorded and coming from the dead. And after that, there were several other people that decided to create a phone call to contact the dead. They copied F.R. Melton's design. So you also have Thomas Edison, who's mixed in there as well. But he was only um, famous for suggesting that he was going to build a telephone to the dead. He never actually went ahead and did it. So you've got all these other researchers that actually went ahead and did it and got results or believe they got results. And they've just become lost in the history of parapsychology and the para uh, paranormal. So recently I've highlighted their achievements so that they can be acknowledged in telephone call to the dead research. Excellent. Well, guys, we're coming up on break right now. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick, uh, very special guests, uh, Amanda and Rachel, Rachel from uh, Spooks Fest, which is going to be this weekend in York, if you're in the U.K., and also parapsychologist Kel Cooper. Uh, the website for Spooks Fest, why don't we give that before we go out? Thank you. It's www.spooksfest.co.uk. 
spooks with an S, right? Yeah, spooksfest.co.uk. I, I can't figure out why you guys can't spell .com. It's C-O-M. You always get that C-O dot U-K or whatever. Or are you just trying to be <laughs> difficult? I'm just trying to be UK. We will be right back after the following messages on Pararex, Dojinet, Ghost Channel, and beyond. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, The Next Generation every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so we are, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll have to get a new (laughs) co-host. I am brave beyond belief. Yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolak. Our very special guests are Amanda and Rachel Hayward. Is that correct? That's right. And parapsychologist, formerly known as Dr. Pooh, Cal Cooper, (laughs) with phone calls from the dead. So anyways, Cal, while we were talking on the break, you actually said you got a phone call from the dead. Is that, is that what I heard? or something? You were intending to get a phone call from the dead? I'm not quite sure how that worked out. Uh, oh, no, someone sent me another account because um, obviously I'm on the constant lookout for um, <coughs> my email, which is great. So that goes on the pile. That goes in ready to write the next stage of my publications on this. So uh, it all helps every little bit. Um, the, the case in question quite interesting. They um, what yeah. call from the dead You're breaking from up. The father. Yeah. Sorry? You're breaking up. We I couldn't well, it looks like we're having some uh, connection oh, issues. No, Anyways, while we straighten those out, why don't we go to uh, cemetery tripping? So let's let's run the cemetery tripping and hopefully we can straighten Cal's uh, connection out. Welcome okay. to Cemetery Tripping, where in each episode I will feature a different cemetery that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. You can see my cemetery pictures on Facebook 
by doing a search for cemetery tripping. This evening I'd like to talk about Old Deerfield Cemetery, which is a very interesting and historic cemetery, dating back to 1703. The cemetery is in a location that Native Americans also used as a burying ground, at the end of Old Albany Road, next to Deerfield Academy. There is a burial mound marked the Dead of 1704 that covers the mass grave of the settlers killed in the February 29, 1704 attack on the village by 200 to 300 French soldiers in the Indian cohorts during Queen Anne's War. The Marauders massacred 56 men, women, and children before taking 112 villagers captive and forcing them on an unforgiving 300-mile winter march to Canada. 21 people died on the tragic journey. One particular stone in the cemetery is erected for the family of James Corse and shares the details of how this massacre destroyed their family. Another stone of Abigail Williams is also very unusual in that it has a carving of the face of a clock. I have only found this design on one other stone in my travels, and it is not one commonly found in New England. It is symbolic of silence, absence, and finality, as well as representative of the changes in human life. The hands are set at 6 o'clock, possibly showing the rebirth and resurrection for 6 a.m., or the end of life for 6 p.m. Other unusual stones in the cemetery feature carvings of coffins, representing mortality. This symbol was most often used in the 17th and 18th century in New England. A very sad marker was that of Mary Harvey, who died in childbirth at age 39, showing a carving of a mother and child in the coffin, with the epitaph, on her left arm lies the infant which was stillborn. Historic Old Deerfield makes a wonderful day trip, as you can also tour the 11 house museums that make up the town, in addition to visiting the cemetery. There is plenty of on-street parking, and you can also stay right in the village if you'd like at the Deerfield Inn. Visit www.historic-deerfield.org for more information on this quaint village, where the echoes of the past can be heard every Okay, we are back. Uh, I, I noticed in the Pararex uh, chat room that uh, Dr. Dave said he got a phone call on an investigation from uh, a, uh, a dead person. Hmm. So you should definitely call uh, uh, Cal, or I mean email Cal. Richard, you still with us? Richard? I'm... I'm... Oh. I'm still here, but if, if Dr. Dave could email me whatever account that he's had, that'd be great. I'd love to hear the whole account and okay. uh, what exactly happened. It'd be great to discuss that. And, and give your email out once again so that uh, he can oh, do yeah. that. Oh, it's, yeah, uh, it's contact at calcooper.com, or anyone else can just go to calcooper.com and just explore the website. You can see some of my videos or previous publications, and you can submit a phone call case through there as well. And uh, I'll get back to you as soon as I can and uh, discuss the case with you. And um, I'd love to hear from anyone that has had anything. That's emails, text messages, phone calls from the dead, or any other strange account of maybe intending to call someone and then leaving it till later, but the person you intended to call still got the call. Um, anything like that, it'd be fantastic to hear from. Evidently, we lost Richard. He was broadcasting in a haunted little ta- no, uh, hotel. I'm here, I'm fine. Hey, he's back! I'm Yay! I'm back. I was. I could hear quite a lot, but yeah, I tell you what. So just supposing that a ghost is or a spirit is actually listening, Cal, and uh, they ring you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, better. Well, why not? 
<laughs> what if it came well, chat room? Just a matter of interest, guys. I mean, have you? Uh, obviously, we, we, you're talking. You were talking of um, from what nineteen? Did you say first recorded nineteen thirteen? Uh, first recorded, it's um, like documented in academic history of people having interest in this was nineteen thirteen. A guy called David Wilson who was solicitor in London, but he was also an amateur psychical researcher and wireless telegraph operator. And some of his friends who had been using the wireless telegraph were reporting receiving strange messages in the Morse code. And uh, so he decided to attempt it himself, and he removed the um, aerial connector, which brings in your wireless messages. And without it being connected to anything, the wireless was still actually receiving messages. So he replaced that for a galvanometer uh, needle, and the needle was still displaying messages. And he started to look for rational explanations. He said maybe subtle vibrations in the room were causing the needle to move. So he changed that for audible beeps, and still he was getting strange messages coming through. They're absolutely bizarre. That's fascinating. It, funnily enough, talking Morse code, uh, two things. N- number one, um, th- three years ago, I was I was back on the Queen Mary at Long Beach, and I was with um, the two the guys from Taps, and um, we were they'd got some some form of machine I can't remember something that they'd invented, and we were down uh, in the depths of, uh, of, of the ship, and they actually got uh, Morse code messages coming through from a guy from a spirit that was reputedly. Um, a guy from the Coast Guards, American Coast Guards, who had, had actually died, and, and they were picking up Morse code messages from him. Um, and another one, uh, I was only told the other day by a pal of mine, um, Mike Totty, who's, who's a medium, that um, very recently, very recently in the northeast, northeast of England, not sorry, the southeast of England, um, a Morse code was, message was picked up by a guy flying a Cessna um, plane, modern plane, and he picked up this Morse code message uh, from a Hamden bomber um, just after Dunkirk in 1940, uh, actually telling telling this guy or, or the message saying that he was about to ditch in the sea, and it was researched. and And on the anniversary, on the date that that guy got that message, a Hamden bomber had ditched in the sea on the southeast coast of England. Uh, can I, I add something on that, Richard? You realize, you realize that once you do a radio broadcast, those radio waves are bouncing around all over the place, not only uh, yeah. out in the space, but also in our own uh, ionosphere as well. So it's very uh, possible that that was just a reflection that bounced back, and perhaps it even has something to do with the date that it, that it happened on, where the conditions were right to whatever. Uh, yeah. Would you think, Cal, what do you right. think? It, it is possible. Again, if you go back to 1931, there was a psychical researcher called Hunt that realized that um, if you establish telephone connection between two people, so that was back with the old Bakelite telephones, and um, you've got two people talking and you've established a wavelength so you can have a conversation. Some people were reporting a third additional voice on the line, which was quite ghostly, and sometimes it would say quite eerie messages that they would assume was a departed loved one. Other times the message just didn't make any sense, so they'd actually hang up. So they thought that, well, sometimes when you've established wavelength between two radios or two phones, you could sometimes get a superimposure of sound when the wavelengths are actually bouncing back and forth with some of the early technology. And also, they suggested that you always got to consider that maybe some radio waves could actually interfere. I mean, nowadays with the modern mobile phones, that's very rarely going to happen. I think they've made it specifically so that your mobile phone doesn't interfere with radio waves. 
but um, certainly when you look at these older cases, that was a very big possibility. So there's always a need to be sceptical with those. But when you went, uh, Richard, when you were discussing that um, first case, the, there's been yes. a few um, cases where it seems to be like ghosts or poltergeists manipulating the telephone. And it's not necessarily a dead friend or relative because we've got, say, the South Shields poltergeist where they claimed that a poltergeist was actually sending all the family members text messages that were quite violent and telling them to get out of the house. And then when you look at it further, um, they reported that all the family members agreed to put their mobile phones on the dining room table so that they could prove that they weren't texting each other. And still the text messages were coming through, very threatening, very violent. And they dismantled the uh, mobile phones. They took the battery out, they took the SIM card out, and still the phone would actually light up and send the message. Uh, there were other cases that uh, Bayliss has reported of phantom telephone noises ringing where you'd have um, an old factory that was haunted and people could hear telephones ringing, but there wasn't a telephone in the location. There were other ones in various haunted locations throughout the UK, but specifically a case in Brighton, which a lady reported to the Society for Psychical Research in the 1940s. And she had had some poltergeist activity at her house where she'd been hitting in the face once and she um, got very scared and worried about all the activity that was happening. So she got this anomalous hit in the face. And also the telephone was ringing and she was getting strange messages coming through um, that were saying some nasty things, but also saying some very unusual things like wait until May the 6th and May the 6th had come along and nothing had happened. But um, she was very confused as to where all these messages were coming from. But again, it seemed in that case, she reported it as a supposed poltergeist that was messing with the telephone line. There's a couple other accounts that I've got of a spirit girl um, in uh, somewhere in America. I've forgotten where it was, but between two friends, uh, mobile phones, the spirit girl was supposedly sending text messages and um, wanting one of the friends who had a young daughter to respond because the spirit girl wanted to play with their daughter. Now, the good thing was both of these people, they did think it was a prank at first, but they were both adamant that they weren't sending these texts and claiming or pretending to be the spirit girl. So they did check with their mobile phone service provider and the times and dates that they provided saying a text came through then the service provider couldn't find any record of anyone sending them a text at that time. So wherever these text messages were coming from, it wasn't through the normal mobile phone network. It was being produced from the phone itself, which is quite interesting. Just a bit. Yeah. Again, and a, a, a famous, famous case, of course, at East Kirkby Airfield, um, which we did on Most Haunted many years ago, um, where the phones in the control tower, which is still, still preserved, the phones went off the green lights would would start flashing on the phones but i mean it's it's nothing but a a, a museum the the phones that are in there um aren't connected in any way um but for some reason they they still ring and and the lights come on but there's no you know no wires no connection to them at all so i just don't know i wonder if anyone's ever tried to pick it up when it does ring <laughs> there you go yeah. <laughs> well, i would think they have i'll be honest with you i'm sure I'm sure that they did, but nobody ever reported back to us to say anything like, yeah, you know, there was someone on the other end. Um, yeah. I don't know. don't know what it's all about, but it, I find the whole thing, you know, absolutely fascinating. I, I, a similar similar thing about, about four years ago, when I was doing a book signing in, in near Liverpool. There was a guy who um, had been a soldier in the, the parachute regiment, and he was quite, uh, he'd done a lot of radio courses, quite high up in radio courses, and he was telling me that, um, take yourself onto any old uh, 
Second World War airbase in, in this country with, with an old crystal set and set it to, I, I've got it written down, I've never done it, but I think it's something like, something like 55 megahertz or something, and he says, you will get messages. Or similar to what Ron's saying, you know, still still traversing around the earth or whatever. You will get messages from, from Second World War bombers um, on the airfield. He says he'd done it, and it works. That's pretty um, cool. And he, he then said to me that, he says, that's, I don't know how true this is, but that's how some uh, astronauts often knew when they were re-entering the Earth's atmosphere because they would get radio messages that are still circulating in the, is it the stratosphere? Is that the right word? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it's one of them. It's if not the stratosphere, it's the ionosphere or whatever, you know. I haven't some, some sphere of some sort, but you it's got all it. part and parcel of it, isn't it, in some way? <laughs> Anyways, we are talking with Cal Cooper, who uh, is a parapsychologist, and we'll be talking about uh, phone calls from the dead, and he will be presenting, I guess that's the word, uh, at uh, Spooks Fest in York this weekend, uh, in honor of my birthday, of course. And, uh, <laughs> and we have the organizers of that event with us, Amanda and Rachel Haywood. Hey, girls, so uh, where can people get tickets for this, and, and where's the website and all that cool stuff? And, and give us another, you know, what's, what's happening this weekend? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, well, it's worth mentioning that all the details regarding the events and booking information can be found on our website, uh, which is www.spooks, with an S, fest. .co.uk. Um, we've got the talks on the Saturday, which are running from 10 a.m. through till 5 p.m. Um, a range of talks from EVPs, obviously phone calls from the dead, uh, demonology and vampirology, um, anthropology of spirit mediumship, psychedelic plants and psychic people, orbs, a whole range of things. Um, tickets are available for these through Visit York um, on their website, um, as well as the ghost hunting workshops. Um, those can be booked through there as well. Um, it's also taking place at Bedden Hall, so if people would like to come along on the day as well, it's obviously advised that you do pre-book, but people can turn up on the day, and it's £5 per person per talk for that one. Um, I can also, do you want me to give out the Visit York number as well? Would that help? Sure, whatever. Okay, well. <laughs> you, you can Excellent. give me your telephone number, that's fine. <laughs> oh, maybe not, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, we, I mean, do you want to give up? We've got an email address. You can email us. It's probably easier there. It's info. Uh, whatever at, you want. Whatever you want, young lady. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, info at spooksfest.co.uk, the email there. Um, but visit York's number is 01904 And that's for the talks and the ghost hunting workshop as well. Uh, we've also got an evening on Saturday with Kieran O'Keefe, which is in the Treasurer's House, where um, certainly one of the most famous ghost stories in York comes from. Um, the tickets for that can be booked through the Treasurer's House. Again, the website address can be found on, on our website, and that's £40 per person for, for that event. Um, what else are you thinking? And that also includes a really delicious oh, three-course meal. <laughs> Yeah, what do you wait a minute? Let me ask you this. I mean, we're Americans over here, so our delicious three-course meal might be a little bit different than your delicious three-course <laughs> meal. So, what is a UK delicious three-course meal? Gosh, I'm trying to remember what she told me now. I haven't actually seen it. She told me, she, I spoke to Lisa Holden, who's the lovely lady at Treasure's House who's organising it, and she went through the menu with me, and I was absolutely, that uh, was terrible because I, I was hungry at the time. And, uh, <laughs> Bangers and mash. Fantastic. 
It's, 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 I can't remember. No, it was, um, I think it was chicken stuffed with brie and apricots um, and seasonal vegetables and new potatoes, something along those lines, which sounded great. There was a, there was a choice of starters, main course and dessert. So it sounded very nice. Richard, let me ask you, on that same line, Richard, while you're here, you've been to America and you've been to the U.K., is there a difference in the foods, just for, just for my yes. own edification? Yes, yes, there is. A, a, there is. A, I, I found there's quite a big difference in, in, in I mean, number one, you, you obviously like putting pineapples with ham and things like that, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't do. I, I, I like to have cream on my pineapples for pudding rather, rather than with my meat. But, yeah, and I, I noticed... Um, uh, quite a difference, really, with the yeah. Certainly, the amounts uh, of food that 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 you eat in America compared to us. Um, but I must be honest with you, I, I find American food absolutely fascinating. It's wonderful stuff, uh, especially the milkshakes. Um, there's enough for two, uh, just for oh, one person. Those. But there is, yeah, quite a difference. And uh, yeah, of course, I I was introduced to scrod while I was over there with you, which of course I don't know how many people have heard of, but it's some form of fish, is it not? Some form of fish. <laughs> yeah, let's hope. <laughs> it's, uh, it was actually, good. It was very tasty, and I liked it. it it's I tell a clean you, just fish. Very quickly, it's, it's, Amanda, it's, you, you yes. actually just made a comment which I, I, I would slightly disagree with. You said oh. that the the um, the ghost story of Harry Martin of the Roman soldiers in Treasurer's House yeah. is the most famous ghost story in York. I would disagree with you. I would say it's the most famous ghost story in the world. Yes, I think yeah. it is. Good old Harry in 1953, wasn't it? Just a bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always refer to it. I use it. I use it on everything I ever do. I always talk about Harry <laughs> Martindale, and and it's just such an amazing story, really. Is. I heard. I heard, which would be quite. You're quite interested. I don't know the full story yet, but the Lamb and Lion Pub, which is also in a partnership of the Guy Fawkes, actually, they have a Roman centurion that walks through there, apparently. Which I've got oh, to look really? into more. Well, I've got to look into more. So I've been told do. by the night porter, but he's going to write down some more of the stories. But that'll be fascinating. Oh, just a bit. And is that one legless as well? <laughs> yeah. That's just because they've been in the pub. You know that, don't you? Yeah, I know Sorry. the story. Yeah, I, I don't know, actually, but the, the Lamb and Lion is actually built on the bar wall, so it would be very interesting to see if um, what yeah, the full story that is. Mm. I think my favourite ghost story is still got to be Jeff the Talking Mongoose from Cashin's Gap. That's <laughs> the best one ever. <laughs> Good old what? Harry Price. What is oh, that? Oh, surely, Ron. Yeah, I'm sure. What's that about? In 1936, Harry Price published a book with his colleague R.S. Lambert, which was called The Haunting of Cashin's Gap, A Modern Miracle Investigated, in which there was a six-year study into a mongoose which was living in the yeah, walls the of, the, the Irving far, uh, of the Irving farmhouse. <laughs> and speak, he could dance, he could <laughs> psychic abilities. He didn't like strangers. He would spit at them. He would throw things at them from the wall cavities. And he would also threaten the family sometimes if he didn't like them. And Harry Price went over to Cashin's Gap for two weeks with R.S. Lambert to try and find evidence of Jeff. And they couldn't find anything. But he sent some of his um, investigators over and assistants, and they got to see Jeff. They actually got to speak with him. And then there was uh, half a dozen other people that also found no evidence. So overall, the case remained quite open because 50% of people had, well, what they believed strong evidence to suggest that Jeff was real. And the other half thought it was all rubbish and there was no evidence whatsoever because all the objective evidence, the hair samples, the 
teeth and paw molds and a photograph of Jeff are all quite bogus, really. The hair appeared to be from the family's farm dog. The molds (laughs) didn't match to any mongoose, and there was actually three different types of paws when there should only be two, front and back. And the (laughs) photograph of Jeff just looks like a piece of wood in a field. (laughs) I've actually visited it myself. I've actually investigated You lucky, lucky man. You have, Richard? It's on the DVD, Ghosts of the Isle of Man, by the way. I actually did a, a very long trek. It's a long way. It's the most remote uh, place you could ever, ever believe that a, a family uh, of three people could live. Um, the house is gone completely. Um, but the, the, some of the foundations are still there and the old well is still there. And I, I spent, uh, well, most part of, any, of a... Half a night there at least, and it is a very, very, very spooky place. Um, but I sat there uh, actually t- trying to talk to Jeff the talking mongoose, and Jeff <laughs> did not talk back to me. Uh, he got shot in the end. Some farmer saw a mongoose type creature on his yeah, land. Absolutely right, yes, yeah. indeed. But guess what? I actually took a stuffed, stuffed mongoose with me, and that <laughs> didn't attract him either. Maybe you'll call you, cow. Oh, hopefully. That'd Maybe what? Maybe you'll call Cap. I don't know well, Jeff would be able that. to use you do, you do, Cal, do you, yeah, I don't know whether you know this, but you, you do know that Mrs. Mrs. Irving was actually a ventriloquist. Uh, I thought it was the daughter that was... Um, uh, no, boy. no, no. It was, it was, it was Mrs., Mrs. Irving. Um, and uh, do you know what? I actually missed, because... I can't remember her name, her second name, the first name... Uh, Vori, Vori, which is yeah, uh, yeah. Um, Isle of Man for Mary. Um, she actually, I only missed her by about five months. Um, I, I managed to find out where she was living, and she died uh, about five months before I managed to get to her, which is such uh-huh. a rotten shame. Yeah, yeah, I, mi- I uh, missed read, her. But of course, I've she read, may phone us. You never know. <laughs> uh, yes, you might. Do. <laughs> I've, I've read Irving, the book twice now. There. The number mm. is. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You, you laugh, guys, but actually, uh, we've done. I've done over a hundred podcasts of Ghost Chronicles, and every so often we get emails where people will pick up uh, what they consider EVPs in in the broadcast, uh, voices from dead people who uh, were, were joining in the show. Evidently, I didn't get their questions though. If, but uh, yeah, we do get that every so often. So I, any form of communication, I guess, could be a an avenue for uh, communication with the dead. I think so. I think so. Absolutely. So, anyways, I know we're running out of, out of time, but but uh, Richard, where, you know, where could people get those DVDs you talk about, like the York Treasury House and the Mongoose one? Where, where are those available, Richard? Well, they're available from um, www.felixfilms.net. And, uh, yeah, I recommend the Isle of Man one. It's, it's particularly good and very scary. And if anybody's, in York, if anybody's in York this weekend, yeah, they actually sell it to Richard at Visit York, so they can pick him up from the Visit York office too. Oh, they do, yes. Visit York, yes. And there's a very good DVD called um, Would You Believe the Ghosts of York with the Harry Martindale interview on it. I that's have a ri- copy. That's, original, <laughs> that's an original name, Richard, York, Ghost of York. Ghost of, it's called Ghost of York, yeah. I know, that's original. <laughs> I thought, well, listen, my friend. What else could I call it? Most haunted York? No, I don't think so. 
I, I don't know if Amanda viewer have heard about this, but Richard is planning these uh, uh, events from jails around the UK called, what is it, Richard? It's called Wales from the Jail. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's W-A-I-L-S. Yes, I'm visiting um, all, well, all of the haunted jails in Great Britain that are still, um, that are still, well, open to the open in some ways, tourist attractions, really. Um, and and then going over to Ireland as well and doing doing some of them. Um, quite exciting because I believe that, that jails, prisons are probably probably the most haunted places on the planet. Have you been to the toll booth in Aberdeen, Richard? No, I have not. No, I've, I've done an investigation, though. I've done uh, four investigations there. It's very good. Very good place. I shall. It's obviously open to the public, is it? Or you know, open it to, is, yeah. I, I know the curator very well, so we can have a chat about that next week sometime. Uh, we will have to chat about that, most definitely. Sounds good to me, <laughs> that does. And if anybody else knows of any other haunted jails that I perhaps don't know about, if they could let me know... Uh, oh, actually, I do, Richard. I went to one on uh, Sunday. I went to a restaurant called Margaritas in Manchester. <laughs> And uh, it is in a old jail, and you actually sit okay. in the jail cells and eat. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Oh. Well, there you go. But I, I, so the, I need to do an American whales from the jails there you next go. time I come over. <laughs> so, anyways, we, we are just about out of time. We've been talking uh, with uh, Cal Cooper, uh, parapsychologist. Uh, I guess he he majors in uh, phone calls from the dead. Uh, Cal, once again, give out your website for us. Yep, um, psychologist and parapsychologist Cal Cooper. It's www.calcooper.com or contact at calcooper.com. Once again, anyone that's experienced any type of phone call from the dead or strange experience with telephone calls, text messages or emails, please send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. It'd be great. And um, also watch the videos on the website. Send me a message and see what you think. I'd love to hear from you. And he will be speaking at Spooks. Fest, that's with an S, Spooks Fest, this weekend, in honor of my birthday. Uh, and Amanda and Rachel, we want to thank you so much for coming on and let us know about that. And once again, the, the website is? It's www.spooksfest.co.uk. And thank you, too. Yeah, oh, thank, thank you. Thank you, guys. I'll see you next week. Yeah, yeah and we'll Richard, do it, Richard. Should definitely. Be in contact. And Richard, you are someplace in some haunted hotel somewhere. Say again, Ron. You. Oh, we're losing you again. The ghost lost you. <laughs> well, the there ghost. you go. The damn dead again. again now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rich, Richard, uh, you are in some hotel. Where, where are you once again? I am. Yes, I'm at a place called Wixner Park. King James the First stayed here. Not in the room that I'm in, though, and uh, his son, King Charles I, who was beheaded, also stayed here. Um, but uh, up to now, I haven't experienced anything, but I've got the camera ready, and you never know what may happen, because I am apparently in a haunted bedroom. I've done that. I stayed at the haunted room 24 at the Conkin Colonial, and uh, believe it or not, the, the bed uh, shook. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound Woo! good, does it? You should be so lucky. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we did have a, uh, an experience there, and that was interesting. So, anyways, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick, uh, Cal Cooper, and Amanda and Rachel Haywood. And we'll be back next week. Good night. God bless, everyone. Don't you guys? Happy holidays. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers.
From ghoulies to ghosties, long legged beasties, things that go bumpy.